live from the Luxor Hotel and Casino, home of Carrot Top for 17 beautiful years. It's Austin Danger Podcast, a movie podcast where a more or less random list of movies punishes two friends. Uh, we're the friends. I'm Kev. She's Mackenzie. Here I am. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. We told the wheel, go away. We're talking about Elvis. And the wheel said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to give you the carrot top star making vehicle chairman of the board. Or was it? I mean, we'll get into it there. He he got signed for a three picture deal. And needless to say, those two other pictures did not happen. Oh, I'm so glad you have this. I have none of that, so I'm so glad you're bringing it. Yeah, oh yeah, I got the IMDb trivia. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) Before we get started, I I just I just wanted to say thank you to all of our friends who are listening to the show and have uh, given us so much love for our Elvis episode. It felt like the the month leading up to Elvis, we were just being dragged constantly, <laughs> like like lightly, you know, light ragging from our friends, and then it's like it was so sweet that it, the episode came out, and everyone's just been so kind, and it's very it's very nice, it's very sweet. We're just so blessed. I feel like I can speak for us uh, in saying mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, we are so blessed to be a part of such a wonderful community and to know all of you. Um, if this is the second episode of Austin Danger podcast you're listening <laughs> to, which is possible. I, t- I told more people than usual about the show. Um, this is what the show will be like on a regular week. Elvis was kind of a very special situation. I mean, we've covered great movies. We've covered Jaws. We've covered, I mean, what? Uh, my, my episodes aren't coming to our mind. Election, you know, like we've covered like prestigious film and there's plenty of those on the wheel. I just don't know why we landed on this. Well, let me say also, I feel like I jinxed us. I forget if it was on or off air, but when we were doing white chicks, I told you, you know, I think our wheelhouse is becoming studio comedies from about the mid eighties to the mid two thousands ish. I think the hangover is the last movie Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, of that mm -hmm. era, maybe a little later, but you know, if you're listening to this, you know what I mean? Um, and we got cursed with one of the biggest, <laughs> most known, you know, flop studio comedies, yep. <laughs> a movie about how much people hate its subject. It's, 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 it is interesting. I, yes, I was, I genuinely, I did not find it fully. I genuinely want to know why he is pop. He was popular at that time. And I, I, I could not tell you. Based on this film alone, I could not tell you. We will discuss that and so much more at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> yes. But first, it's time to talk about Dog Day Afternoon. I've been waiting all day. <laughs> I'm surprised because I've had a week. I'm sorry, but it's true. Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, oh, Nashville. That's right. The Sound of Music was a first watch for me. Oh, oh my God. All, all, all that Sorry. jazz. I have had an insane, and then I just today watched Dog Day Afternoon. I have had an insane week of movies. You have had, that is a much better <laughs> podcast than whatever can come next <laughs> hour. I hope we can cover all those movies eventually. We'll get there. We're, so <laughs> where would you like to start? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I don't know. I feel like... Um, I don't want to linger too much on all of them, but there were just there was just a lot of good movies. Mishima: Life in Four Chapters was amazing. Um, I 
didn't know anything about the real guy. I still don't know if I know much about him. I feel like that it's like a biopic that isn't really made to inform, which I love. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Google it afterward. Um, I love that kind of <laughs> sense of like, we're going to give you enough about this man, but not a, not really a lot. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just was obsessed with the way... I knew nothing about this movie. I want to say the only thing I knew was that really cool cover photo on Letterboxd. Sure. And uh, that everyone loved it. And I just, I was blown away by the artistic choices in this movie. I love that the like interludes of his writings of his books are like plays like they're on these like sets and you can see Mm -hmm. the movement. It's so theatrical. That score like blew my freaking mind off my out of my head it was it was just it was i just was really blown away by mishima i know y'all just talked about this on ammonite didn't you that's right we did it a couple months ago now that's a mind-blowing movie i had no idea philip glass did the music i love that because philip glass i associate with theater like i definitely associate philip glass i mean i know he's done film and tv but i associate him as like a stage musician a stage sound designer. And so I think that he kind of fits the theatrical aspect of the movie like right. perfectly. And I felt so in the know because I was like, oh, I know who Philip Glass is. Uh, I see what you're doing here. Uh, so I thought Mishima was awesome. Uh, Nashville was mind blowing. It's probably my favorite Altman I've watched so far. I I went to school in Nashville for a very long time. I grew up in Tennessee. And so I it's always been like a movie that is interested me because i'm curious i was like oh it's about nashville which is not really true at all um but i that's always been kind of on my radar and and i I just saw it was a kind of it looked very fourth of july i love that poster yeah and so i was like okay i'll put this on for fourth of july and i don't even know if i knew what i was getting into (laughs) um but it was just this really i think that like it's it's almost too much for me to have comprehended on this first watch because it is such a big movie but I just thought it was just a really weird, slow, deliberate, cool examination of these people where he definitely wants to unpack like a very specific type of Americana and nationalism that we have in America and uh, kind of putting that in, you know, in the midst of Vietnam. And I just think it was really, really awesome. I just got like my mind's a little blown and I don't even know if I have very smart thoughts on it. Like I would love to read uh, smarter people talk about Nashville, but uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite movie of the week. I think out of all these five bangers, Word. I have the now out of print Criterion, and it's looking right at me on the shelf. <sighs> Man, I'm jealous. Uh, and then yeah, I don't know. Like Sound of Music, I thought was fine. Here's my <laughs> truth: I don't like the captain. He was never. I he was annoying to me. I was like Rachel, he's a douchebag, and I don't like him. So uh, I'm anti-captain. Sound of Music, sue me. All that jazz, amazing. Don't want to linger too much because you asked about Dog Day Afternoon. I watched that today. Pacino's performance is so unhinged and wonderful. I like. I can't believe it. He's giving. He's giving a post son of a woman, like post Godfather two. It's amazing. It's and it it's really, really works. Good. It's really, really good. I mean, uh, I wrote about it in my review. There's a lot of really interesting baggage in terms of the real life uh, aspects of it that I definitely think are worth like looking up and reading about because they're very interesting. But as a movie, like divorced from all the real life kind of baggage, I thought it was just really fun, really well made. And I love that it just kind of got right into the action. Uh, and I love that you just, you, like, just, I thought it was so cool. I really, I just thought Pacino. Like, if it wasn't him, I can't imagine this movie 
any other way. Like, I, he just carries so much of the movie's energy and tone and uh, comedy and heart. Uh, I just, I it's it's really just a, like, it's just a parade of like, look how good Pacino is. And it's, it's just, it was, it was, it was amazing. I could, I could definitely see it being a, a much lesser film without him. John Cazale uh, at war with his hair in that film. <laughs> what is his hairline? Poor guy. I, it's, it's better it's, in, in Godfather two. It's better because it kind of looks like a little crown. <laughs> it was, uh, it was very interesting. I thought I was very sad when spoiler alert. All right, we're alone. When Sal died, I thought that was very sad. Mm, um, that's true. Because uh, I think it's so one of my favorite parts. I was telling Rachel, I loved that the the people who work at the bank kind of start to care about them and just want them to get away yeah, with it. Like, it's true. I think, and I think I read about that. Uh, I was reading a really interesting article about some of the real life aspects that were different and that were similar. And um, one of the people who was interviewed was just like, they were like, yeah, they just seemed like kind of sad guys and we liked them they were nice like i just think it's so interesting that that's true that like the bank people were like kind of nice to them and that woman giving sal the rosary and like knowing that he's scared of flying it's just this very sweet human moment and uh it really sucks that he dies uh it was just really it was a really good movie i was just really impressed by it uh yeah i had a big week huge week insane week huge week (laughs) huge week (laughs) what did you watch this week i had a big week i watched 1776 which is the um it's the musical about the signing of the declaration of independence with (laughs) william daniels as john adams the movie is 17 hours long uh and it's like a genie's curse once you start it you cannot watch anything else until it's done um, it's cute. It's fun. You know, I watched mm-hmm. it in history class in the seventh grade and I had always wanted to like finish it. And I realized that I'd only seen the first 45 minutes mm-hmm. of a 90 hour long movie. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, but it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. What else did I watch this weekend? Oh, here's something. We watched prehistoric planet last night. The first episode of the Apple TV plus, uh, kind of walking with dinosaurs. And let me tell you listeners of this show, and, and friends of mine will know my least favorite movie of the last few years was The Lion King 2019. <laughs> John Favreau, his time in the penalty box may be coming to an end with this <gasps> really? prehistoric planet. The, the methods there are just amazing. It looks so natural and it's so cool. And the scenarios are so like, well done. A prehistoric planet. Yeah, totally great. I was not, that's not where I expected that sentence to go. Can I tell you what movie I thought you were going to say instead? What? I thought you were going to say The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were going to no. be like, this is just like The Good Dinosaur, so it sucks. I thought that's where we were going. I've never seen that, and I don't think I ever will. Oh, I thought you, I feel like I always hear you bring it up, so I assume you, <laughs> it is a hated movie of yours. It came up a few times because it doesn't link to Austin Powers. It's the only Pixar movie that has no Austin Powers link. Oh, Weird. how sad. We also did a Wet Hot American Summer watch party the other night Woo! in the 70 millimeter discord. So much fun. Such an amazing movie. H. John Benjamin blows the house down every single time. You'll know him when you hear him. It's perfect. (laughs) I love that movie so much. It's a perfect movie. What's your favorite bit in the movie? I think it's the, it's the, um, has to be the aggress. I love, ah, okay. It's different every time, right? The, <laughs> they leave the kids out in the rapids for like eight hours. A, <laughs> B, 
the way that David Hyde Pierce and Southland Tales own Janine Garofalo are like aggressively bad at getting to know each other and stuff. And they're like going to the library and buying books on like camp counselor stuff. Yes. I love how, how everything is so disjointed on purpose. Like it's nine different movies happening at the same time. The stupid meteor thing with the science club. So funny. I think my favorite bit is going to town. Because I think my favorite quote in the whole movie is, it's always fun to get away from camp, even for an hour. I think it's the funniest quote in the whole movie, and I don't know why. Three months of their lives pass in like an hour. Yeah. I I was hoping that you would, I was saving that one for you. (laughs) It's my favorite bit. I love it so much. Uh, But you know, that's about it. You know, I'm just uh, plugging along. Uh, If you don't listen to Ammonite Movie Night, I was getting really into anime. And mm. I really enjoy the show Spy Family, and there's an X in the middle that's not spoken. Um, <laughs> really cute, really funny, really weird show. It's on Hulu if you want to give it a shot. Very weird. Nice. But cool. Uh, but that that's pretty much it. Oh, no. We're out of things we've watched. I don't know. I don't really have a lot more to talk about. I'm ready to go <sighs> into Austin news. Let's do it. What does it all mean, Basil? Um, a tweet went viral this week featuring yes. the Austin Powers impersonator, Mr. Richard Halpern. Way to go, Richard. Way to go, Richard. The tweet comes from at M-I-E-X-R-I-I-R. They put me in charge of organizing a party for my coworkers, so I said I rented a nice rooftop for dinner and drinks. What I didn't say is that I had also hired one mime and one Austin Powers impersonator to show up an hour in. Uh, and it looks pretty chaotic. It does, and there's some great photos of Richard just hanging out <laughs> with the party organizer and the mime. He has um, a, he has also kind of a Barney Rubble quality to him. He does, in, in, especially he does. in these photos. <laughs> He does. And, and I mean it lovingly with all the love in the world. Uh, it's so great. Uh, it looks like Richard is on Twitter as at Austin Powers guy. And he's quote tweeted it and pointed out. And I this is what made me notice it. It's gone viral. It has 126,000 likes and over 6,000 uh, retweets. So it has it has truly gone viral. Our boy Richard, he's everywhere. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody wants Austin Powers 4. When is Richard going to step in and take the, take the mantle, take the mantle. (laughs) Um, Besides that on my end, you know, not a creature is stirring here. Really, truly (laughs) Austin lays dormant. The Pentaverit's been out for months. If you wanted to watch it, you've seen it. That's pretty much it. That is it. All right, so that's it on the so that's it on the Austin news front. Again, things are quiet. Austin Butler news. Elvis, you know, I, I had predicted that Elvis would drop big the way that movies I thought had, but mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick has proven that people are coming back to the movies again. Truly, because Elvis held on to the number three spot this week, just under mm-hmm. Maverick, to the number one movie of the world ever, Minions: The Rise of Gru. 
So I honestly think three is really good, especially with minions coming out, which sounds insane to say, but three is not bad at all. $22 million. That's not bad. Worldwide right now, $71 million, which That's is not great. bad. I think not bad. I think, like I said, I think he's on track to probably hit around where Moulin Rouge ended up um, in terms of revenue. Um, I don't think that's bad at all. I think that's really cool. I think I saw some uh, great article that the, the clickbait title was sort of that Elvis has, um, is one of the best performing in terms of consistency films that are that's not tied to a franchise uh, since the pandemic began. That's uh, right. Because, you know, Maverick and Minions are both franchise films. So Elvis is really holding its own. It's been cool to see. Yeah. I'm proud of this movie. I don't I have personal stakes in it now. I'm very proud of it. I'm glad that people are seeing it, whether they mm-hmm. loved it or not. That's I'm definitely seeing more love on my Twitter timeline. It's been it's been fun. It's been insane. Speaking of <laughs> insane, Boz Lerman on his insane social media <laughs> announced that the Elvis soundtrack uh is number one in some capacity. So congrats. Congrats. Maybe billboard soundtracks or something. Yeah, something um, like that. It's a solid soundtrack. Um, it's I, very fun. I understand trepidation towards the use of new music in the film. Um, but he's trying to, you know, he's trying to tie everything to today. And that's definitely his thing. I feel like, you know, Gatsby did that. I mean, Gatsby, the Gatsby soundtrack, I remember in high school, I was obsessed with. Like, sure. I was obsessed with that Florence and the Machine green light song. I was obsessed with that fergie a little party never killed nobody song like i was really into the gatsby soundtrack (laughs) in high school and so i feel like maybe he was trying to follow up with a similar vibe for elvis i don't know if it's quite as good but um i think the doja cat song is really fun and um the stevie nicks song is really is really good too and the um the like in the ghetto remix is really good i don't know i think it's a good soundtrack there you go i've been listening to it in my free time so there you go. Is there any, like, you know how sometimes on soundtracks they'll give, like, vocal tracks? Is there any, like, uh, I, I've seen the boy. I think he's going to be a star. I don't think they have any of, of our man. They do have some, like, the Spotify enhanced album thing that has, like, some videos yeah, in between, it's which Boz, is very weird. It's Boz video commentary, right? Yeah, but most of it is not. Okay, the, so for this, audio. you wanted to work with Doja Cat. Yeah, or it's like a video of him and Jack White, and you're like, what? She's <laughs> very talented. <laughs> Fingers crossed for that toxic remix to come out. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Again, it's a long road until, what, February, March? So mm-hmm. we'll see how it shakes out. Fingers crossed for Austin. Again, Warner really only has, uh, I, unless I'm wrong, the Shazam movies. Uh, Black Adam with The Rock in October and Shazam 2 in November, December. Really? The the oh, back no, half think... of December is owned by this, a future episode of Austin Danger podcast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. No, I think they're going to go hard on on Elvis for a campaign because they, yeah, this is their big movie this year. It's just wild. That and it's then their big Dune movie. Part 2 will be it next year. That's right. It's just mm-hmm. It's just crazy that it's their big movie this year. <laughs> and that they don't have, you know, They're last like year temple, they had, yeah. last year they had, you know, Dune and King Richard, right? Mm. That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. They don't have like a King Richard. Yeah. Strange, but the merger and stuff and things are probably on fire in ways that <laughs> we'll truly never know. 
We'll never know. But Dune started filming, and oh boy, oh boy, if I don't see a picture of Austin Butler as Fade Ratha on my desk next week, I'm gonna be mad. I want to see him. Why <laughs> I don't know what he looks Wonka? like? Here's my Warner question. Love Dune. I'm so excited. We'll get. We'll talk about Dune in a minute. But why is Wonka coming out next Christmas? That sounds ill-timed because of the timing overload from Dune for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to watch it now. <laughs> I have to know what's Wonka. You just made the cutest face ever. You're like, I want to go to an egg daddy now. I but it's want about to Wonka. Wonka daddy now. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Austin Powers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, some Austin Danger podcast news before we get into the movie. Um, as you're hearing this, last night, the episode of Dune Pod with our own Mackenzie about Hello. Showgirls <laughs> is out. Go listen to it. It was really fun to record. I love those guys. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. If you're listening to this, when the episode drops tonight, Monday, July 11th, I will be recording the Southland Tales episode in the Doompod Discord. Uh, so go to doompod.com and check it out and come hang out in the Discord with us anyway because it's a really mm-hmm. cool place to be. And uh, come hear me talk about Southland Tales if you want. <laughs> and then it'll be up the following Sunday. So how exciting. Woo. Oh boy. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'll be there. Hell yeah. All right. Are you ready? Uh, you know, ready as I'll ever be, I guess. <laughs> you know, one week, every couple of weeks, we stop the wheel for a special episode. And I think the wheel gets mad. I do, too. Case in I point, we spun the wheel, and you landed on chairman of the board. A movie I put on the wheel as a joke and never thought out of the 400 plus movies we have, <laughs> it would be the one we would fucking land on. Before you do the synopsis, what did you know about Chairman of the Board? Remind the people what you knew of Chairman of the Board when you put it on the Nothing. Board. I knew zero Not things. Not a thing. Not a damn thing going into this. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, we'll get into our carrot top history, I suppose, after the synop. But yeah, I knew nothing about this movie going in. Uh, there's probably a reason for that. Let us into the world. <laughs> Let, <laughs> Let me in. open the storybook <laughs> and bring you in. <laughs> bring you into the... To the world of Chairman of the Board. In 1996, Trimark Vice President Phil Goldfein greenlit this film with the opinion that prop comedian Carrot Top could, quote, be the next Jim Carrey, Trimark's new tentpole. He was signed a three-picture deal. Three years after the film, those other two films were never made, and Trimark became defunct and had to fold into another company. Because of the mixture of my hubris, The Wheel's Will, and 1996 Trimark Vice President Phil Goldfein's comedic taste, Chairman of the Board is this week's Austin Danger podcast episode. It is just 95 minutes, featuring a thin plot about an idiot becoming a CEO, pieced together with terrible prop humor, an annoying and absolutely mind-numbing performance from Carrot Top, and actually talented and fun character actors doing their best, but ultimately not saving this piece of shit movie, because it is so stupid that it disintegrated my brain cells as I watched it. We're talking chairman of the board. All right, and now it's time to do our little show. I love go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Done. This, I will never do another synopsis that just opinionated again, I promise. But I literally was like, how I'm not gonna summarize this fucking movie. I'm not gonna this there is no plot. This movie is stupid. I'm not gonna write a synopsis for it. This so. this episode of Austin Danger Podcast is also known as the Death of Journalism episode. <laughs> Um, what is? Do you have history? What is your history with Carrot Top or Chairman of the Board? I suppose I mostly know Carrot Top through all the parody. You know, uh, mm-hmm. David Cross played a character called Blueberry Head on Mr. Show, and he was made fun of a lot on The Simpsons. And you know, he was on VH1 a lot in the early 2000s. Yes, and he's in the I Love Those and stuff. And you know, I knew Gallagher, and uh, you know, prop comedy and stuff. But I had known him as like kind of a punchline, frankly. Yes, yeah, same. I think I, I was very much obsessed with the I Love the series, and so I think I saw him on that and had a vague idea of who he was from that. And then I feel like I know him from, like, there's, like, a, I feel like, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's, like, an entire Family Guy episode about him. I believe so. Where he so. plays himself, and it's, like, a whole, and I think that, like, literally might be my main exposure to Caratop and, like, his whole oeuvre is that Family Guy episode, because I used to be very obsessed with Family Guy as a middle schooler and high schooler. Uh you know, he was also on a lot of VH1 reality shows, I believe, as well. He sort of did the reality show circuit where, like, you know, celebrities are in weird situations and blah, blah, blah. Um, I've never known him as a comic. And I'm honestly, I couldn't find a lot of information. I'm very, like, curious what his early comedic career was like. Like, how did he become so popular to have, like the demand of a movie from him. I, I am just like genuinely confused and curious where his career came from because like on Wikipedia, it kind of just jumps from like, he started doing comedy in college to these are all the things he's done. And I'm just, I, I'm very curious. What is the in-between? Like what was his comedic rise? Like, I just don't, I don't get it at all. You know, a lot of late night talk show appearances and stuff. I'm sure. And like I said, in the intro, he's been in Vegas now for, Jeez, uh, most of the century, you know. People are still, like, buying tickets to see him? I looked up tickets for tonight to see Caratop at the Luxor. And, uh, or whatever, like next Thursday or something. <laughs> and it was mostly sold out in the middle. You could... What the fuck? You could buy a ticket second row to Caratop for $70. Which feels cheap. I feel like that's not bad <laughs> for Vegas. I want to go to I want to go to Vegas already to see Penn and Teller. That's a bucket list thing for me. Mm, mm-hmm. Man, would I also go to see Caratop? And I'd sit right up front. Yeah, I'd sit in the second row to Caratop. I might. This sounds like I'm just trying to inflict more pain on myself, but I kind of want to just look up a video of like what his show even looks like. Cause I'm so curious why this is entertaining. Because, like, the movie that we've done that I would equate this to would be Private Parts, I suppose. Uh, sure. And. I don't know, just in terms of like the era it came out, like a a kind of act, like a star being attached to this movie to specifically bring their star power up. Exactly. And it's like, you know, a total vehicle in that it's like, hey, here you are. What do you do? You do this, this, and this. Okay, well, we'll make up, no matter how little sense it makes, we'll make a whole movie about it. Uh, UHF with Weird Al is also the same way, except Mm. that movie is fucking awesome. (laughs) Well, the thing with Howard is like, this movie made me like Private Parts more because at least with Howard, like he is charismatic and he is entertaining and he is funny. And though he is not my type of humor, though he is not my type of vibe, the movie is watchable because Howard is charismatic and he is entertaining. 
Carrot Top was like just devoid of charisma, annoying, weird, and super unfunny this whole movie. Like it was, I just really don't get him. I don't get why he's famous. Like I was literally like, I can at least appreciate Howard's talent. I do not see anything with this guy. I, yeah. And I think the self-deprecating thing was also a turnoff. It's like, so this dude, this strange man is not very funny. No. And he hates himself also. And I want to root for Carrot Top for some reason. Like, I find myself wanting to root for the guy. I wanted to be surprised. Yeah, I wanted, because I, I like bad movies, quote unquote, right? I, I don't mind a bad movie. Right. This just was... And, and I was telling you earlier, like, sometimes, like, if a movie I really, really dislike, it's because, like, it offended me or it did something stupid or, it, like, really, was just, like, comically bad production value. And, like, I don't think he even had any of those things. I just, like, thought it was so boring. And I also came in wanting to attempt to, like, let it surprise me. And it just was so – it was just so bad. I just I – don't, I don't even understand it. I think I, my brain is, cannot comprehend why it was so bad. I think the other thing, too, is that it was also very bland and very plain. It was so bland. It was boring. I'm trying to look at some positives, okay? There are some things I liked. I do I do have a list of a few things I enjoyed. I do have a list of times I laughed in the movie. I have two, three, four, I need five, two? six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, what? thirteen times. And then fourteen at the end. We'll get to what it says at the end. That is 13 more times than I laughed. (laughs) I was very generous. I want to say the one time that got me was when he was auditioning for Annie. I thought that was a very funny cut. And I thought, I I think the bit should have just been he's at the audition for Annie. That's the joke when we cut away. The joke then lasted too long. It became unfunny. You know who I think wrote that joke? Who? Uh, Producer Mr. Goldfine. (laughs) I think that was totally a studio note because of the hair. I need to know the times you laughed i need to know what made you laugh desperately oh it's actually 14 please tell Uh, me the reveal of the fake woman arms got me and i gave in and i laughed at it (laughs) i will say my first thought was who would fuck carrot top a thought i had often throughout this film i also had that thought when that moment happened but then of course carrot top did get me i was like you know what man you got me (laughs) because you also thought that um i did think his house while we're on this was a little too peewee's uh big adventure for me it felt like a total rip Uh, most of his aesthetics with his props Mm -hmm. most of it was too peewee for me it was very peewee and peewee does it better so it was like i agree there's no like again the extra step of being a a crazy character Mm -hmm. makes peewee palatable me yes um i did i did also note like the movie starts off foul i did laugh in shock at the opening of this film where carrot top (laughs) is some sort of uh fetal scientist with that absolutely (sighs) dire score this like literally trying to be like synth danny elfman like if we sat down with a synthesizer and like tried to make fun of danny elfman we may come up with this 
The second the movie began, it was with this baby. I was like, I, I, I want to turn this off. It's like, <laughs> I was like legitimately shocked. Like, oh no, we have to do an hour on this. That was my yes, first feeling. Was that like, was also what happened to me. Oh God. <laughs> um, what else do I have? Shower scene has the pest vibes. Um, Estelle Harris, the legend, as the landlady. Legend. I was not ready for her, and she's pretty good in like a even like a John Watersy kind of way. That's the thing. Here's my my main positive on this movie, genuinely, is there's a lot of genuinely talented character actors that I like in a lot of stuff that are in this movie. Um, Estelle Harris is great. You know, I feel like she's mostly yeah. known for being George's mom on Seinfeld, but she's you know she's Mrs. Potato Head. She's like a pretty iconic character actress and she's legendary so funny. voice legendary, legendary voice. voice and um i'm trying to think uh yeah like larry miller yeah iconic, i was gonna note in iconic a minute. character actor the return of larry miller to austin danger pod after best yes. in show where he plays um <laughs> he plays one of cookie suitors right yeah and larry miller is so funny he's right in his bag here doing fine like with a better movie i think he would be perfect for the, he's perfect in this role um, I love him in 10 Things I Hate About You. See, I have to watch that movie. I you do. He's so good in that. He's like super funny in that. Uh, I will say like he is working perfectly in tone. He is totally in sync. With, like him and kind of Estelle Harris kind of in a different way are totally in sync with what they're going for here. Absolutely. And and he's just I feel like he's always good in everything. I, I mean, he's in Princess Diaries as well. Like he's just he's funny every time I see him. And, oh, I didn't know. Um, a probably the lesser known but jack plotnik is a character actor i adore he plays the like best friend with the goatee uh and the beanie uh jack plotnik is actually a very funny like queer character actor who i think is amazing he was on buffy for a long time uh and he also is in um oh my gosh he's in down with love a movie i'm recently obsessed with yes Um, yes yes he plays like a foppy guy in that he's in meet the fuckers he's in a lot of like just kind of like rena 911 i think like he's just a funny character actor and i love him especially in this movie called girls will be girls where he does a uh drag character that's a very like um kind of old hollywood chain smoking woman and he's he's just great and i thought he did good in this like it's those are my big positives is that there were so many like there was another guy too. Oh my gosh, M. Emmett Walsh, another like iconic, iconic guy who always is like, I'm kind of a racist cowboy, and like every movie he does, but it's always great. Just like genuinely like good character actors to the brim with this movie, and yet they could not save it. It's really weird. Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch, I thought was great. I thought she was so funny. Again, totally in the right spot at the right tone. She does perfectly. Like, I mean, she's an icon. You know what I mean? Like, she, like a like model to sort of this. She was. It was like she was in like as the world turns. Like, I felt like she was in like a soap opera in the best way. Uh, I loved her outfit with the tie and the like bustier pinstripe. Um, Literally everyone, I even thought the girl from Melrose Place, who you brought up, was on that interview with Conan. Courtney Smith, the legendary interview, yeah. I thought she was really endearing and really cute and actually really down to earth. I was like, everyone is good, but Carrot Top. It's true. Carrot Top (laughs) is kind of the root of the poison tree, right? I mean, it's the writing and it's the directing. It's a lot of aspects, but it's it's like makes me sad to see a lot of actors genuinely doing their best. And it just still isn't doing anything for me. I have a list of props. 
if we want to go down the list of props. I mean, let, let, lay it on me. Lay it on I me. I tried to catch everything. If I missed anything, awesomedangerpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, I dare every you. single prop? I dare you to come back at me with a prop I missed in public. You did every single prop? Hey, look, listen, this is That's a bit. That's probably a lot. It's actually, it's actually not that many once you get into it. I'm talking oh about um, it's a carrot top prop like it's in his act. So the prop oh. is displayed, the name is said, and the punchline is given. It's All very right. formulaic. Once you, once you hear it once, you'll recognize it, and the glass will shatter, and carrot top may never be funny again to you. The question is, was he ever? The answer. Was he ever funny in the first place? The list of props. Anatomically correct fanny pack, great for nude beaches. Mm-hmm. Glow gunk for night surfing. It's bizarre puzzle box mystery around the answer being in the surfboard that pays off crappy on that one. Um, it's the crux of the movie, so weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ketchup helper, that hilarious hand that's like, you know, because ketchup. This is this is what we're dealing with here. It's like a robot hand that you crank. A Slurpee cup with a heater in it. A, a brain freeze. A buffer, a cranial buffer for bald guys called Jimmy Buffett, which is kind of weak. I agree. A baseball bat with a glove hanging off the end to scratch your balls while you're at bat. Bug zapper. I can feel hat. I every new thing you say, I age a year. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be ninety eight by the time this episode's over. Bug zapper hat. Oh god. Cruise control clown hands that barely work on the wheel of his car. Yep. Change machine pillbox on the guy on the side of the road. Visual gag doesn't make sense for this list, but it's a carrot top prop, so I included it. Jack in the box as a car jack. Dashboard blender. That was vile. Dashboard <laughs> blender was vile. Surfboard emergency brake. Can we talk about the surf the surfing in this film which cuts between like almost file footage surfing and then obviously carrot top slamming a surfboard onto a board in a blue screen or something? It's so it's so stupid, especially since the whole like synopsis of this movie is a surfer becomes the head of a major company and the poster has him on a surfboard and he barely surfs in this movie. It is vile. If you notice, a lot of those happened in the first maybe 20 minutes, half hour of the movie. When it rains, it pours with inventions. Okay, so (laughs) the pocket protector protector, which was never pocket protector jokes were never funny to me as a kid. I don't know about you. What who who wants that? ink in their pockets? Get out of here. Fair enough. Uh, portable outhouse slacks, the most Tim and Eric-like gag in the movie. <laughs> the worst. P.O.S., get it? And then matching CSS or car sickness shirt. Um, a, a device that allows men to simulate breastfeeding. I missed that. Did I just fully, did oh, I just yeah, dissociate during that sequence? Yeah, you what? faded out of that scene. There's a lot going on <laughs> in that scene. That's the scene with the outhouse slacks. Like it's a one, two, three. Is the outhouse slacks the pants where the dude's just pissing his pants? That's bunch? correct. Okay. Cause I literally wrote, did this guy just invent an overly complicated catheter? And I think that that's true. That is exactly what you saw. Okay, cool. I yeah. just wanted to make sure that that joke got thrown in there. I needed you to know that. Uh, 
that was a that was a comedy I wrote. Um, next on the list, the oddly portentous Chef Edison TV dinners, which look like you're watching your iPhone or something while you eat dinner. Very creepy. Uh, the lie detector shirt or the bull shirt that farts when you lie. Get it? Huh? It's the whole movie. The whole plot. Cr- the deus ex machina of this Stupid. film is the bull shirt. Yeah. Um, card dashboard binoculars and the club foot anti-theft auto device that kicks you in the crotch when you try to steal somebody's car. Uh, I do not have a favorite. I think they are all terrible. I think the POS is pretty grim. Yeah, I mean, the I did write that I thought that the I didn't take notes. I didn't take notes for a long. These are the the least amount of notes um, I've ever taken for a movie. The, but the bull shirt I thought was a good Deus Ex Machina. I thought it was very funny that like because he had not funny, but you know what I mean, clever. I guess that because he had coffee spilled on his shirt, he had to just pick the closest shirt to him, and it happened to be the thing that helps prove that he's a liar. Like I thought that was a that thought that was clever. I will give the movie that. I thought that was a clever ending. I have in my notes the plot of this movie is that Carrot Top's inventions are terrible. This I just this is the most uninteresting movie I think I've ever <laughs> I've ever watched in my life. And like the thing is it's it's not bad for any reason other than it is just simply boring, which that's that's just so sad. <laughs> I did write two other compliments. I thought the date was kinda cute. Them at yeah, the museum you know, the, naming the inventors. I thought that was cute. The obligatory date where Carrot Top like gives his whole deal. And it's Carrot Top speaking to the audience, not him on the date. You know what I mean? Best part of the movie was the, like, 15-second stop-motion sequence I thought was really cool. I'm curious uh, who did that. thought that was cool. I am also curious and do not know. Um, but, yeah, that was basically it. That was, that was the only couple of things I thought were good. Character actors, the date-ish, eh, and then the stop-motion. Um, we love... God, uh, this was just the stupidest fucking movie I've ever seen. We love Fred Stoller as a cop. <laughs> yeah i did see him too i was like hey i've seen you in a bunch of stuff all right i have like a bunch of stray notes nothing particularly interesting i think um carrot I mean, top the chicken suit was incredible our 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 notes can only be as interesting as the film i feel like sometimes and uh yeah this is this is the most boring movie yeah. ever made larry miller pounding down tums was a laugh for me in this note that was good Larry Miller's funny. Larry Miller is hilarious. Again, he's totally doing what he has to do. Everybody else is so funny in this. The f- I put it on our Instagram stories, that fucking tennis part where him and the girl are jerking off his tennis racket made me want to just, just fall on the floor and lay there uh, like an egg. How was that? How, the, how was that Clinton joke? What? Don't I missed tell- that. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they're When everybody's getting the TV dinners... They bring one to the White House and and Bill is like, don't tell Hillary, you know, I I think that was a, a part where I blocked out because I missed <laughs> I missed some parts. I feel like in this movie, I need you to know that after this movie was done, I took a three hour nap. It took so much. <laughs> it took so much of my will to live out of me that I, I literally just went to go to bed for three hours. Today. It is it is uniquely terrible. It is uniquely terrible. I mean, should we just fucking, should we, should we end it? Yeah, I think it's about time. I think we've done enough. Uh, Well, I will say there are two things we have to, we have to address two things would be remiss. Number one, the movie ends with a card inspired by Bijan Amin. Who the fuck is that? I have no idea. I tried to Google that and couldn't find anybody. It's actually quite creepy. And I know we just kind of shot on Carrot Top for 50 minutes, but I have to know who it is. Carrot Top, who the fuck is it? You're not going to find it on Google, I promise. 
I tried to Google it. Um, It'll keep me I, up at night. It's so creepy. Okay, okay, okay. There was... I'm seeing a, a man who was professionally known as Mark Amin, who was a producer at Trimark. Oh, it's possible. I mean, I literally just Googled chairman of the board. It was a Bijan Amin. He was an executive producer on the film. I don't know if that's him or not, but... uh. Well, that was boring. So yeah, my, I mean the the closest thing answer I can find is it might be this Mark Amin guy from from Trimark. Even the even the dark mysteries of this movie are boring as sin. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, what, what was the other thing you wanted to mention? We were contacted by H, the host of Dune Pod, and he had heard us roll the chairman of the board, and he told us, "Oh, it's not so bad. Little Richard shows up in this movie too." <gasps> yeah, yeah. I looked out for Little Richard. I didn't see nor hear the man. He is a hard guy to miss in movies, let me tell you. And I mean that with all the love and respect in my heart. Um, no one we know saw him. I asked friends of the show who, despite our strict warning not to watch, <laughs> spent two hours watching this movie anyway today. And uh, no, nobody. And if you Google, there's like no images of him. Even in the credit area... Like people, I think I did. I also didn't see him, but I saw that like Shaquille O'Neal is credited as like a security guard. Oh, in this I didn't movie. even see that. Didn't notice Shaq, but at least he has a credit. Little Richard has like no credit. Like it doesn't even say like himself uncredited. Like it just says Little Richard and then he's not credited as anybody. Yeah. He's not in the physical credits in the movie either. So why the hell is digitally on IMDb and Letterboxd Little Richard listed? Welcome to the new segment. No, it's not going to be. Where is Little Richard? Why in the world is Little Richard? Every movie we will tell you if Little Richard's in this movie. (laughs) That's our new segment. What a great segment. (laughs) It's it's like those websites where it's like, is today Christmas? And then every day except for Christmas, it says no. Um, It's it's Little Richard in this movie and every movie will be no. All right. Well, I guess the answers to all my mysteries were boring. And that brings us to final thoughts. Um, I laughed a lot at this movie, but the movie was boring. One star. Mackenzie, please give your final thought and rating, please. Half star. This movie fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, I don't even care. I, I like a Larry Miller. I like a uh, Raquel Welch kind of looking like Gina Gershon a little bit. I I know. Part of me wants to give a star for Raquel specifically, um, but I feel like like I, I can't even muster a single star for this movie. That's how. And the only other movies I've ever given half stars to on Letterboxd are the like date movie, epic movie vampires suck those types of movies those are the only other movies i've ever given a half star to so this film is joining that uh prestigious group of of movies with my half star rating it's pretty abrasive (laughs) yeah it's pretty abrasive i am not one to to lightly give out a rating that low um but i there's there was nothing in this movie for me (laughs) jesus well, Thank God it is over. I'm so glad. I feel like I can breathe again. With that in mind, <laughs> it's time to do our little show. It's time to do our little show. I love, I love gold. gold. Oh, God. On May 15th, 1997, Courtney Thorne Smith made a guest appearance on Late Night with Conan O'Brien <laughs> to promote not just the season finale of Melrose Place, but her new movie, Chairman of the Board. Also on the dais, comedian Norm MacDonald the late great legend who 
was basically there to save the segment. Listen, b- back in our day, celebrities used to just come on talk shows and hawk their shit. And there was no connection between the host and the guest sometimes. And it would just be kind of awkward. Although I think Conan and Courtney were doing okay. When Norm heard that she had left Melrose Place to do movies like Chairman of the Board, he was apoplectic. And by the end of the segment, he started firing off lines like, You are making a movie with Carrot Top, right? I made a movie with Carrot Top. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what's the movie going to be called? Well, really? I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> if it's got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. <laughs> There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh. All right. Do something with that, you freak. (laughs) (laughs) I've got the board. It's spelled (laughs) B-O-R-E-D. Did you uh, read the follow-up from Courtney about that situation? Yeah, where she ended up being, hey, look. that. She was, like, thankful for him? (laughs) Like I said. That could have been just the most forgetful interview of all time, boring and painful, and it would have been lost in time. You know what I mean? And she wasn't mm-hmm. even happy about doing it in the first place. Yeah, I just read a really sweet like follow-up interview where she said that she was really happy that he hijacked the interview, and she thought that it made it really fun. And it was a very funny quote that I, I can't find, but she said, like, if I thought chairman of the board was going to be my Oscar-making role, I might have been mad, but I knew it was stupid, so I didn't care. And uh, she just talks about how she thought that, like, Maybe it, it it looked like visually to audience members like he was overstepping or something. She fe- she said she felt nothing but like support and that like he had saved the interview and that she felt like he he made it an enjoyable time for her because he he roasted it. And I just think that's sweet that he like I don't know. It seemed like it really helped her and that she was really delighted by it. And I really love that. Hell yeah! Well, um, in terms of actual gold. Carrot Top was nominated for Worst New Star in Raquel Welch, which is unfair for Best yeah, Worst Supporting fine. Actress at the Golden Raspberries. They both lost. And that's gold. I hate gold more like. Now it's time for the <laughs> Alan Parsons Project, the segment where we link the movie of the week to characters and crew members of the Austin Powers films. Yes. Cindy Margolis. Uh, a model, an actress. She was a fembot, an international man of mystery. She oh, appears yeah. in this film as the infamous tennis instructor, right? Because she's a model, so that's the gag. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, did, I can't believe I didn't recognize her as a fembot. Oh my god. She links a lot more TV than movies, which we haven't done and will likely not do. But if we ever wanted to do Joey, the Friends spinoff, she appears on an episode of that. She <laughs> appears a lot on. Uh, Let's see. The Great American Celebrity Spelling Bee. We could do that. I see she's in Sharknado 3, so that could be another franchise. We can give it a shot. (laughs) Also, uh, a producer on Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and The Spy Who Shagged Me, Emma Chazen, I want to say. Also, Mike Myers' Pete's Meteor, which is there. Oh, an assistant to Mike Myers. Sorry. Uh, Our producer credit on Spy Who Shagged Me, but... A personal assistant to Mike Myers during these years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the Austin Powers Electric Psychedelic Pussycat Swingers Club, she has a credit <laughs> on that legendary MTV special oh, as Mike Myers' assistant. That. Remember, that was one of the days where we were creating Austin Danger Podcast and we watched that together. Oh, 
The good old days. Look at that. Absolutely bizarre. Fembot Electronics and The Spy Who Shagged Me were done by Alan McFarland, who returns from the Spider-Man episode. Also did costume electronics, probably for the bull shirt, etc. Mm-hmm. Also did work on Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. <gasps> the best movie ever made. And the actual best movie ever made, Tron Legacy. Wow, amazing. <laughs> also 127 Hours, which uh, our friend Not Jadakiss watched today. Oh my gosh, we great memories of that one. about it. Creepy movie. We could do it. We could be doing it next week. Be <laughs> good. In Goldmember, you know, I forgot that Fred Stoller was was even in Austin Powers in Goldmember. Who is he in Goldmember? I feel like I I, I know his face because he is just like in a lot of stuff, but I no, don't remember he's very Goldmember. Recognizable. He's male shopper, which must be a part of the boob satellite montage. Oh, I think he is. I think he is in the in the montage. Yeah, gotta be. And talk about a career. Fred Stoller, of course, uh, he gives us, oh my God. He gives us Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Very Three cool. Wheelhouse. A lot, of, a lot of TV. A lot of TV. Joe Dirt. Week. Yeah, Joe Dirt. Daddy Daycare. Uh. <laughs> little Man. Weren't you just talking about oh that? Oh my God, we could do Little Man. Brutal, <laughs> brutal. Also from Goldmember, shirtless fan A from the montage when uh, it's the sports yeah. fans, right? Yeah. His name is Brad Grunberg. He is also in Get Smart and, again, returning from Spider-Man. He's on an episode of Cop Rock, which is an amazing show. Uh, just mind-blowing show. In Chairman of the Board, he plays Messenger as Johnny Cocktails. Which I forgot that character, frankly. So sorry, buddy. Uh, it's not personal. <laughs> and that's the Alan Parsons project. There you are. You're over there. We have quite a few U's over there. So I'm going to go through some letters we got this week. No voicemails, just some letters. First one is from Trainer. Very short. Dear friend of the show. The subject line is re quote fun opportunities to bend the wheel to our will. Oh, interesting. And it is just a screenshot. Of a film that is connected to Austin Powers and Goldmember by a single person, Mr. Patrick Houlihan, <laughs> in the music department, connects Austin Powers and Goldmember to 2022's Death on the Nile. <laughs> and Trainer just writes, it's time. Love, Trainer. You know, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, when you told me that Trainer sent a JPEG that was a suggestion... <laughs> I was like, well, as our Joe Dante correspondent, it's going to be the burbs. But I oh, forgot about so, the meme. I want us the See, burbs so bad. I had a, I had a, having a very busy week and I forgot about the meme. <laughs> uh, Trainer is also one of the brave souls who defied our instructions and watched yes. Chairman of the Board. And I, I have to say, like, why? <laughs> and also, thank you to Trainer. I DM'd him directly. I was like, Dude, please tell me you didn't see Little Richard. That is so funny. So thank you very much, Trainer. I'll, we'll take that under consideration. Uh, <laughs> outlook not so good, but we'll see. Outlook not very good at all. 
<laughs> and our second email comes to us from one of our friends from the Dune Pod Discord, Zolitas. I hope I said that right. They said, hey there, I don't know. Oh, the subject line is, I just listened to the Elvis episode. Ooh. Hey there, I don't know what movies you have on your list and the selection you pulled with, <laughs> uh, and the selection you pulled out with that Carrot Top movie that I never heard of almost sounds like movie masochism. Take it for what it is. It may be unexpected fun. Spoiler <laughs> alert, it was not. Uh <laughs> I really liked the Elvis movie, and I mentioned that in the Dune Pod Discord channel. That's right. If you uh, run if you run dry on movies in your list, I put together a list of movies to check out. If you don't know the movies, always check the trailer to get a feel and see if you want to give it a try. Feel free to do with, with what you want with the list. Uh, and they sent us a really long, great list, so I'll highlight a couple of great uh movies that i that that just pop out to me on this list that we will absolutely be adding uh eurovision song contest the story of fire saga connected by will ferrell which is a movie i was very endeared by when i first watched it and would like to actually rewatch it it's a lot of fun it's cute um the blues brothers connected by carrie fisher a movie i have never seen yeah i've also never seen it actually so that could be a big opportunity blues brothers Uh, 2000 also probably links so (laughs) memento great movie you've never seen connected by jennifer todd uh, across the universe also connected by jennifer todd Ooh, well we could certainly watch that <laughs> i used to love that movie i know you did <laughs> in high school. i could tell um I could yeah, tell. me a theater kid of course uh, a lot of amazing big fish one of my favorite movies of all time connected through danny devito absolutely would love to do that movie akira kurosawa's dreams because steven spielberg is in it okay we can watch a kurosawa movie okay all right. And then uh, last but not least, one I know that you would absolutely love to talk about, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, apparently yeah. is connected to us through Demi Moore. One of my favorite movies of the year. Totally weird movie. Kind of really deep in the Austin wheelhouse spiritually. Yes. So, and that's just a few of these of a great list. So thank you for sending that list over. Thank you. That's great. Uh, and our final email is from our friend Rob. Dear friend Rob, who also defied and watched Chairman of the Board. Subject line is Re-Alex Zam. Hey, pals. Love the show. Thanks for going in depth on the most hilariously random assortment of films. I so appreciate the fact that you all talk about the good, the weird, the bad, thanks to the wheel. While this is, of course, a fun, silly podcast first and foremost, I think you two have some really great informative discussions, too. It's important for everyone who really loves movies to at least have some understanding about the seedier parts of the movie industry, like the terrible history of representation in film. I felt compelled to leave a message for this train wreck of a movie, not to crap on it, which I'm sure you've done plenty already, but to talk about director Alex Zam. He is the definitive poster boy of white mediocrity in Hollywood. I love that phrase. Wow. <laughs> Kev's jaw is dropped. <laughs> Directors who are not straight white males have historically been giving, given such a minuscule support and opportunities regardless of their abilities and even past success. But Alex Zam was able to spin this failure into a career of directing pictures for studios like Disney and 20th Century Fox, most of them with multi-million dollar budgets. These include illustrious examples like Larry the Cable Guy led sequels to Jingle All the Way and Tooth Fairy. Sequels to Inspector Gadget and Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And the fifth of the franchise... Dr. Doolittle, Million Dollar Mutts, starring Norm MacDonald. It's what? Such a, apparently, it's such a sad testament to what the industry is willing to put their money behind, even when there's so obviously so many more movies worthy of all kinds to produce from talented filmmakers. Are there some directors that you wish had or will get more opportunities? Great question. That is a great question. Hmm. That's, I don't. 
Mm-hmm. My first, my first, there's like two directors actually that I wish had more movies. I put this in a recent review for Saving Face, which is I think an incredible movie. I absolutely recommend you check it out. Uh, Alice Wu is the director of that, and she's probably more recently known for the half of it, which is a movie she released a couple years ago. But those are like literally her only two movies, and they're both so good. Uh, and I believe she took a bit of a break from her directing for personal reasons, but I just kind of, I want her to be making more movies. She's someone who I really wish had more opportunity um, because I think that both of her movies are just phenomenal and Saving Face is one of my all-time favorites and I just wish we had more of her voice out there. And uh, Cheryl Dunier is another director who I wish did more. She made an amazing movie called The Watermelon Woman that I absolutely oh, recommend. Oh, yeah. And she hasn't really made a lot of movies. She's done like some short films and I watch, I've watched most of them. She does a bit of TV. I think she just did some Umbrella Academy. Um, but I would like, I would die to see another movie from her. I would really, really love to have a movie from Cheryl Denier. So those are two directors I like really wish. They both have one or two movies and I just, bo- I wish they both would have uh, a bit more backing, I guess. Richard Kelly hasn't worked in over a decade. Who's Richard Kelly? Rich Kelly is the director of Johnny Darko. Oh. And he is the director of Southland Tales. <laughs> as well as The Box. Bring that Richard is, Kelly back. That is my answer. <laughs> uh, thank you for that question. Yeah, that was and great. Thank you. Lovely email. <laughs> lovely letterbox review. Thank you so much. And I want to say Rob said, P.S. I really hope it never lands on Million Dollar Mutts, which is that Dr. Doolittle film with norm mcdonald that is connected to us from mindy sterling if you think that that's on the wheel <laughs> after chairman of the board i have to do some pruning clearly i am I surprised to... you won't want to, you wouldn't want to watch a norm mcdonald mindy sterling film you're you're right <laughs> that's the thing at least we'll have mindy and norm being funny like you know at the very least or we'll stupid have which is also funny which is also good. You're already better than chairman of the board. Uh, thanks, Rob. Thank you for sending that. Folks, we're doing something a little different. Next week is our 25th episode. And to celebrate and to shun the wheel, we are going to once again play God. As if our podcast was not chaotic enough. Right. We need to add more rules to this podcast. <laughs> and so every 25 episodes until at least episode 100, the movie will be decided by the result of a coin flip given every other time. So we're going to flip a coin right now. The person who wins the coin flip has the ultimate power to pick any film they want by themselves from the wheel. That's right. So this is where we can get some personal picks. This is where we can get some highly requested picks. This is where we can really make each other watch movies we want to force each other to watch. I think that this is a fun little little mix to add in. And it could be it could be very interesting indeed. Is all I have to say. <laughs> I already know what I'm picking if I win. I already know what you're picking if you win too. I don't think I'm fully <laughs> decided honestly. If all I right, if I have to this. be honest, I'm not ready. Would you like to flip? Uh I can. Do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Do you do you want to call heads or tails? I'm going to call heads. All right, I am flipping now. It's tails. Oh no! I can show you. Do go. you want to show you? I don't. I don't need to see it. I believe you. Wait, did you pick heads? What did you pick? I picked heads. <laughs> I got so nervous. I forgot. So it's me. It's you. You forgot. Oh my god. 
Um, I mean, this is obvious. This is a highly requested film from a lot of our friends who have told yeah. me in the past, break the wheel, pick this film. Uh, and I was waiting for a possible coin flip win to pick this movie. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Obviously. Obviously, I am picking Charlie's Angels 2000. This is huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so excited because you've never seen it, right? Nope. That's never, a big reason once. why I want to make you watch it. And hopefully, eventually, we can hit the sequel full throttle, which I think is just as good and amazing. But um, yeah, obviously I'm picking Charlie's Angels 2000. You all have asked for it. I love it. Kev has never seen it. To me, it is a perfect concoction. It fits in the wheelhouse, early 2000s studio action comedy. Let's go. It's time to heal. It's time to heal from chairman of the board with Charlie's Angels 2000. <laughs> I love how, how I love how the wheel the wheel got to have its say in between <laughs> two good ones. And we said, no, no. I mean, who knows? You might hate Charlie's Angels. I, I don't want to inf- I don't want to slim influence you at all. We'll see how it goes. Mind Come in with, the, with your full open. truth. I will not be offended. All right. And uh, this is sadly not streaming anywhere. I think it was recently streaming somewhere and they, they went they went away. Um, so, yes, it's only available to rent on all major services. I apologize. This is the this is the cost. This is the, <laughs> this is the price you have to pay to get Charlie's Angels on Austin Danger Pod. It looks like it's available to stream if you're subscribing to Just Watch, I think. But I don't know who... who, who or that's, Spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah, and that's a rental also. Oh, okay. Yeah, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next week, hey, Charlie's Angels, we're all ready to heal. Let the healing begin. Or will it? Who knows? Who knows? Until then, Austin Danger Podcast, peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, McKenzie. Thanks for listening. Episode 101 of Wonka. Paul King left Paddington in the dirt. Said Paddington is dead. Paddington's dead to me. Off. We got a Wonka. Knock, knock. At Paddington's door, it's the French Revolution. And Wonka is king now. Wonka is king.